On this edition of The Golf Guy, we have the great good fortune to talk to the great Amy Alcott, um, the Hall of Famer who uh, lives here in the L.A. area. Um, just a stellar career, um, 29 LPGA victories, including five majors, three Dinah Shore tournaments. Um, and just as importantly, and, and I think you'll get the sense of this, she's such a warm and genuine person to talk to. Um, just had so many interesting experiences in the game. Um, and um, as we talk about a little bit, um, and, I, and I could have talked for, with Amy for another hour, but uh, if she was that much fun and easy to talk to. But uh, she really uh, played during, um, I think it's fair to say, a golden age in women's golf with you know Nancy Lopez, Patty Sheehan, Beth Daniel, Pat Bradley, Betsy King, and just loads of just uber talented golfers and um she was uh you know right there with all of them uh with that stellar record and um uh i really as i say a really warm genuine person fun to talk to so uh one quick correction i should make um i uh, uh messed up when i was talking about the stanford women's golf team which is a topic we've talked about on some prior podcasts, what a just juggernaut of a team they are. Um, it's Rachel Heck, not Julie Heck, uh, so apologies for that. Um, but, um, uh, you know, between Rachel Heck and Rose Zhang, who is, um, you know, you could make an argument as the best woman amateur, excuse me, the best amateur women or man uh, in the world today, um, and uh, Megagani, who played so well at the... U.S. Women's Open last summer at Olympic in San Francisco, joining the team uh, this fall. Um, they are awesome. But um, anyways, a quick correction on that. But more importantly, upcoming, uh, uh, our wonderful conversation with Hall of Famer Amy Alcott. Well, welcome to another edition of The Golf Guy. And I am just thrilled today to have uh, on our podcast um, Hall of Famer, uh, and fellow Southern Californian, uh, Amy Alcott. Uh, Amy, good morning. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Larry. It's my pleasure. Um, uh, it's great to be with you. So um, just to kind of get started a little bit, um, to uh, sort of go back to when you first took up the game, um, I my memory in, in having read about you, I, I think you may have been born in Kansas City, but you at some age, young age, moved out here. And um, uh, if I have that right, but to tell me how you got started with the game of, of golf. Sure. Well, um, you know, um, I was born in Kansas City, one of three children, the baby. And my father was in uh, dental school back there. And um, I'm very thankful that when I was six months old, he decided to move like a lot of East Coasters do uh, out with his young family out to California and um, bought a house um, eventually in uh, Brentwood okay. um, that he probably couldn't afford at the time for $19,000 <laughs> right around the corner from Brentwood Country Club. Oh, wow. <laughs> and um, it was owned by an old film star. And my dad was uh, a New Yorker. He grew up playing handball on this, in, uh, in Brooklyn. Um, he was quite an athlete, very good handball player. Uh, in fact, I used to go down to Venice Beach when I was a young girl and uh, watch him play with the dog and um, watch all these transplanted New Yorkers guys, all doctors, of course, playing handball. Um, and uh, he just, uh, he was my first person that I came in touch with that in my whole life that was um, a feminist. My dad thought that a oh, young cool. girl could uh, do anything. I never got any feeling that I shouldn't be trying something or doing something. He was uh, when I found golf uh, on television when I was nine years old um, and became obsessed by watching the CBS Golf Classic, uh, 
Oh, and I so, love that show. That was so yeah. with, with Kenny Venturi and Jack sure. Whitaker and all those. I, I was like, I'm, I'm a few, we're pretty close in age. And I remember being uh-huh. a kid watching that growing up in the Northeast when it was, you know, winter. That was such a fun show to watch. Oh, yeah. And all those guys like Kermit Zarley and Julius right. Boros and yeah. and uh, that whole cast of characters from Firestone Country Club. Absolutely. What about Shell's Wonderful World of Golf? Oh, that God, another- that's, you know, it's funny. I, I that was a little before me, but I but I, I've actually gone back. It's funny with the magic of YouTube. I've watched a lot of those things on online and um you know, like the Hogan Sneed match at Houston when, you know, Hogan's like 53 years old and hits every green. And those are, you know, and Jack Nicholas's match against Sneed at Pebble Beach. There's some great Shell's Wonderful World of Golf stuff that's out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, anyway, I was a child of television. I, and uh, my dad, I wanted to try golf and he get, had a cut down club that he had given my mother a set of clubs when they were married and cut it down and put some duct tape on it. And I started pushing balls into the sprinkler heads into the front yard and eventually uh, sinking uh, soup cans in there and putting into Campbell's soup cans and (laughs) chipping and putting on the front lawn. And it kind of affectionately became known as the Alcott Golf and Country Club. (laughs) And uh, they called me the homegrown pro. And um, there's a whole story of really about that. meeting Walter Keller, my original teacher, the man who taught me how to play uh, indoors, hitting into a net. Um, You know, I wasn't a member of a country club or anything and used to wait in line at Rancho and and, uh, all Inglewood golf course and whatever. And um, anyway, I was really lucky to to kind of start with such humble kind of big beginnings in a way. Um, I feel grateful that it all kind of came from me. Uh, I didn't have pushy parents who, you know, uh, so it was all about, you know, me playing the game and uh, learning it and becoming obsessed by it as my mother <laughs> said. She gave up her rose garden and her flowers uh, for young Amy to uh, groom her skills. Any so. bro? Any broken window casualties over the years? If you're hitting, balls yeah, around? yeah, I did. <laughs> I broke my window there. We had a sand trap in the front yard. Uh, oh wow! You should drive by the house. The old house was 504 Avondale. Oh, right around the corner. I, that is the really right around the corner. I, I, it's very close to me. Yeah. Yeah. And we had a sand trap in the front yard under a tree. And I used to go with my dad down to the lumber company on weekends because I'd hit all the sand out of there. And every two weeks, we'd be hauling out these bags of sand and replacing it. And then I broke my window a couple times, blading a couple sand shots. So he said I had to use plastic <laughs> balls. And my mother just thought it was just all craziness. But that's where I spent all the t- my time was right there hitting balls into a net in the backyard. And um, uh, the house is there. It hasn't changed. It was sold by like in 19, I don't know, uh, 70 four something like that and i don't think the owners have changed the house since we lived in it. it's very I, I, unusual i am gonna go buy it today it's that close yeah. to me i promise i'm gonna go take a look at it so t- you mentioned walter keller um maybe let's talk a little bit about him he sure. really became someone who was it sounds like not just a coach but kind of a mentor and 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 you guys sound like you stayed close really throughout his life yeah he was my teacher he my, uh, we were coming home from a drive-in movie and I told my mom, I looked up, I was a little, you know, nine years old. I said, I wanna go there. <laughs> we went by Walter Keller's golf school, golf shop. And she took me in there and I started whacking little balls around and he, I got up on the carpet and he told my mother, get back on that uh, mat there and let me see you swing. Don't hit off the carpet. And, and she, he said, uh, are you her mother? And I said, um, 
my mother said, yes, I'm Lee Alcott. She says, I'd like to give her lessons. You know, she's a real racehorse. She's a yeah. little racehorse. <laughs> so my mom bought me six lessons for $36. That's great. And the rest is history. Walter yeah. became like, uh, like uh, after my, especially after my dad died, my folks divorced and whatever. Walter became really very much like a father to me to the day he died. You know, he was pretty much my only teacher that I had. Wow. Which wow. is very unusual. I would it, talk it to other people around about certain things. And, uh, you know, even with Walter, I said, Walter, I just can't putt. I've got the yips or something. He'll say, well, figure it out. That was Walter's teaching. And uh, that didn't really. <laughs> so I went around and found a few people that tried to help me at different times, but whatever it was in my game, but I always never really left Walter. He was like family. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds like you're a great experience. So, you know, for folks listening to this, of course, you know, the, the whole, we sit here today with the American junior golf association. And it's almost like pro tours for juniors. Very, very, very different back then. Um, this is, you know, way before the AJGA. Um, and, uh, but you did, uh, play, I know, in some juniors, and and I and I remember, you know, your battles with Hollis Stacy um, in the U.S. Girls Junior, um, and and I know you've become, I mean, obviously you, you you both were Hall of Famers. Ultimately, you both had tremendous careers on the tour, but maybe we talk about that. I think if I'm remembering right, you first ran into her uh, at the '69 one at Brookhaven in Dallas. I mean. I think you were only about yeah. 13, but, uh, you know, that was your first. And then you had the finals two years later, which was such a great, memorable match. Yeah. You know, even now, um, thinking about it, Hollis, when Hollis and I are together, she will tell stories about meeting me when my went back to my, she was 15 and I was right. 13, my first U S junior up until then I, was uh, playing all over Southern California. My mother drove me all around to all the Southern California junior golf events and, and um, all, you know, just, uh, you know, California state amateur, which I won in 73 and when I was 17. But when I was 13, I, I wanted to go play nationally. And Walter said, you know, you'll never know how good you are until you compete against kids from all over. Sure. So I played in my first U.S. junior at Brookhaven Country Club in Dallas. And my first match was against Hollis Stacy from Savannah, Georgia. Little did I know we would end up being lifelong competitors and friends. Yeah. Um, but uh, I had her three down, and she'll re remember this story. I rem <laughs> had her three down after like eight and she beat me like on the 17th hole. Oh, so wow. I, and, and she, she, she says, who the hell is this little kid from Southern <laughs> California, you know, with all this moxie. And uh, we, we laugh about that. Um, I think that's one of the, Larry, one of the things now in my sixties uh, with a pretty much full-time playing career in my rear view mirror, but I still play quite a bit. Uh, when I'm with my uh, compatriots that I played on the tour, whether it be Nancy Lopez or Hollis or Patty Sheehan or Jan Stevenson, we talk about that we really did play on the tour in the golden years. You know, yeah. we we don't want to go back to the way the tour is now, even though they're playing for probably five times, six times the money. Uh, it's not... Uh, um, you know, uh, we had we had a great run. We had a, a very interesting. We were traveling all over. It was very competitive, and those kind of friendships or relationships are forged forever. So, oh, for, for that, sure, thankful for sure. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, and I and I and I want to talk about that just before we leave the U.S. Girls Junior because I cause I do want to talk about what you just said because I as a golf fan. And you just ticked off a lot of, you know, pretty impressive names there. It really did seem like the golden age. Um, and, and I do want to talk about that. But just to finish the U.S. Girls Junior, because I, I've 
I know, you know, Frank Hannigan, who was your, I think, referee two years later when you and Hollis are playing in the finals at Augusta Country Club, which has got to be her backyard. She must have had, you know, a whole bunch of folks from Georgia, you know, uh, rooting her on. Um, that sounds like an unbelievable match you had. And I just wanted to ask you about that because, as I said, Frank Hannigan, who's certainly, you know, <laughs> seen his share of golf matches, says it's as good a final as he's ever refereed. That sounded like that was a great match. Yeah, boy, you're a historian. Um, it's always <laughs> great talking about the past, but yeah, we both shot three under par 70s. Wow. wow. Uh, at the time in the final round at Augusta Country Club of the U.S. Junior that year. And Frank, uh, obviously went on to be head of the USGA right. and he was quite a, a golf historian and wrote for golf journal and whatever, but he said yeah. it was one of the finest matches he'd ever see man or woman pro or amateur. Um, and it went to the 19th hole and she made like a 25 foot putt on me and went on to, went on to win. But then, uh, I won mine, uh, a year or so later in, uh, at Somerset Hills in uh, Bernardsville, New Jersey, before I turned pro. Right. Um, but, you know, this is, this is real, um, you know, touching stuff, you know. Oh, for because sure. Because it's all for part sure. of our, all part of our, our history, for sure. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and as you said, I mean, you guys have become lifelong, you know, competitors and friends and, you know, and both mm -hmm. of you, you know, I mean, be fair to you, you were two years younger than her. Um, so, you know, when you turned 17, you got yours. And, and of course, you know, we'll, we'll get to both of you, U.S. Women's Open, you know, champions. And, and I know you you got her uh, when we get to Tennessee. But just to sort of like go back. So so you're so you won your juniors. You're 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 at Pally High, I think, which, again, right mm -hmm. around the corner here. And um, you graduate and um, go right on to the tour. Um, and did you sort of think at all? I mean, I know things were a lot different then in terms of opportunities for women in golf scholarships, very different world, you know, almost what, almost really years yeah. ago than now, but, but did, you know, talk to me a little bit about kind of that process and, um, it's gonna be a little daunting to go on tour right off the of high school, even though you were tremendously successful. So I'm just curious kind of what your thought process was back then. Um, well, you know, as Walter saw me and knew my talent, all I wanted to do was play golf. And, you know, even my senior year at Pally High, I was leaving school at 12 o'clock and sneaking under the fence at Riviera, you know. <laughs> and, um, you know, I remember Walter going to the high school principal with my mom and said, uh, let's check off what this young gal does. You know, he, Jim Mercer was a, a Pac-10 uh, coach. Um, okay. He was the the principal at Palisades High School. So oh, wow. he loved sports and knew okay. sports. And Walter jog jogged over there and said, listen, we need to talk about this young gal who's got a who's probably got more talent than anybody, you know, in uh, in sports. And uh, she's a student here. And um Walter found a way to say she doesn't need homemaking. She's going to have a uh, someone to take care of her house, and she doesn't need sewing because she's going to have the finest clothes, and she doesn't need science because she's going to be reading greens. And I mean, he was really funny. And, That's hilarious. Uh, and so I was out of school at twelve o'clock at Riviera, but there. Back then, it, Title IX had just kind of come right. into effect. And right. there really, I had two scholarships. One was to go like someplace down south to Furman, which I'd never heard of. And the other was to go uh, play at Dartmouth on the men's golf team there, because oh, wow. that's all they had. Right. And, um, you know, I thought, what do I want to be up in New Hampshire? I didn't even know where that was, you know, in the <laughs> middle of winter playing golf and you know, taking, you know, I just wanted to play golf and be on the tour. And as my mother said, you know, Amy, always follow your bliss. And, um, yeah. and so that's kind of what I did. Um, and I, um, uh, I went out on the tour, I called the, you know, the head of the USGA was saying, Oh, go to college, you'll regret it and whatever. 
Well, they ended up apologizing. Good for them. <laughs> but, but I That's went good. to the qualifying school in 1975. I barely made it. Um, here I was, the U.S. junior champion, California state champion, held yeah. a course record at Pebble Beach. Oh, you wow. know, had all these things that I had done and the people with, you know, the hierarchy of the USGA, you know, PJ Boatwright and a lot of these people were saying, oh, Amy, you'll regret it. And all of a sudden I was rookie of the year and had won yeah. my third tournament. So Right. You won the orange I, blossom, right? I mean, right out of the box, practically. I mean, you yeah. were, yeah. Right out, right off the bat. And so I had found my bailiwick and, um, uh, I was uh, on the road to playing pro golf. I, I never saw myself going to college. I've got had an education that most people would die to have uh, an education of out in the world and life and all of that. Oh, I can only imagine. I mean, you've traveled the world, the people you've met and everything. I'm sure it's just, it's, it's incredible. And, you know, and, and, you know, as you said, I mean, you know, right out of the box, you're successful. And obviously, you know, tremendous career, you know, with hall of fame, five majors, um, I, the one, and I actually remember this, um, when it was happening, um, uh, cause I was kind of a golf fan and I was, you know, uh, I would have been, I think 19 in 1980. And I remember the U S women's open and how hot it was in Tennessee. Um, and I want to maybe just briefly take you back to that week because, mm -hmm. Um, you know, you just lapped the field that week. I think you ended up winning by something like nine shots and, and not only nine shots, but over, uh, Hollis Stacy, um, yeah. you know, and, and, uh, maybe talk a little bit about what that week was like in capturing, you know, the U S women's open. Well, you know, when I was putting on that lawn, I was telling you about on, on Avondale Avenue into the soup cans, I used to put. And I used to say this, like every young kid, yeah. this is for the U.S. Open. For the U.S. You Open, know, This right. is for the U.S. Open. And very rarely in life does that moment actually come true. Oh, for but, sure. Um, um, it was a very, very hot week. One of the hottest periods in American history. I think they had over 100 days of weather in the southeast, over like 102. I mean, it was just incredible. And you barely had enough energy to like move, not, not just with the heat, the humidity. And I think that week they must have had 20 people, 25 people withdraw out of the open. It was so high. Wow. wow. And I were, remember uh, registering for the tournament and hearing another player say well, at the registration desk, I know who's going to win this week. Uh, whoever finishes, you know, <laughs> um, so it was, <laughs> I mean, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a really a, a tough week. And, um, and uh, I ended up, I can remember on the final round, I had was walking around with ice towels over my head, oh, yeah. walking like a, at a snail's pace, hitting the shots totally out of it you know, like yeah. just trying to finish. And I remember almost passing out coming oh, up boy. to 10th green or whatever. And I, I remember that. And I said, Alcott, I said, uh, <laughs> you, you've talked about this for your whole life, you know, just hang in there. I was really talking to myself and got to that eight, finally to the 18th tee with a, a 10 shot lead. And um, top my drive, I remember where I had to kind of lay up into the green par four and got on the green. And as I walked on Hollis Stacy, who we talked about earlier, yeah. Hollis says, don't nine putt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was uh, quite a touching moment in my, I mean, like a, a dream come to true. I lived a little girl's dream come true to win that, to win that open. And of course I had other ones that I finished second or third that I should have won or could have won. And sure. Uh, it was just a swing here or a putt there, but um, uh, it's something I'm very 
very proud of to win the national championship. Absolutely, justifiably so. Um, and um, you know, it, it, I, I, you know, in terms of some of the other majors, and and you know, what was became such an important tournament, um, uh, you know, for women's golf, um, you know, is what. And I'll always call it the Dinah Shore tournament, whatever the sponsor is, or, you know, that's how I always think right. of it. And, and, right. you know, it, um, uh, you, um, I, I think I have this right. You started what became the tradition of diving into Poppy's Pond um, next to the 18th hole out at Mission Hills, I think when you won in 1988. I'd right. love to hear how that sort of came about. And, and uh, was that something spontaneous or were you thinking you were going to do that or, or how did that come about? Well, it was pretty spontaneous. You know, I had won in 83 and um, I had a great win there in 83, uh, almost won in 85. Um, 88 was a very, I think it was kind of very windy as you get at Mission Hills in the desert. Um, I think, if I can remember correctly, uh, having a conversation at some point when I, you know, was playing, has every, uh, anybody ever jumped in the water or jumped in the water when they won? And it was just like a very passing passing conversation with my caddy, Bill Curry. And um, affectionately, I will say a prayer for Bill Curry because he passed away of COVID this year. And it was oh, a too bad. tremendous loss for me. And I, I think when he found out that the tournament was going to be moving to Houston and not that Chevron wouldn't be a terrific sponsor and everything, but that they were going to move the event to Houston, it really so much of his connection with golf and self-esteem was tied into us jumping into the water twice there. So right, right. Uh, that was a sad loss, but yeah. um, go, going back to winning, you know, I made this winning putt and Bill was there with me and um, it was just a moment of pure excitement. It wasn't premeditated. It wasn't anything. I didn't look to see if there were rocks there. <laughs> I mean, I, there was nothing, uh, uh, or duck, duck do or whatever. And we could have killed ourselves. But I said, we're going in the water. And we took each other's <laughs> arms and we, we jumped in the water. And little did I know the crowd went crazy that, crowd was enormous and they yeah. went crazy and I had no idea it would become such an iconic moment in women's golf but uh then it really did it really mm -hmm. did it's amazing <laughs> yeah and then of course Dinah Shore was said to me a couple of years later after she my mother had passed away she says you can win this tournament she knew how close I was to my mom and and she says, you need to win that tournament one more time for your mom. And I'm going in the water with you. I was really upset you didn't take me in last time. She finally kind of came clean. And um, so then in 91, I set a tournament record there at the right. time. And, uh, you know, in this game, you know, I don't know how all the stars kind of align in, in, in golf. Uh, you know, I remember watching Ben Crenshaw make that putt to win the Masters after yep. Harvey Pianick died. Yeah, yep. It's like it's all written in the stars. And yep. I was doing crazy things that week that I told Dinah we'd go in the water. I mean, my mom was with me the whole way. Yeah. And to win the way I did by there by nine shots uh at, at the that 1991 craft abisco and take dinah in with bill curry was kind of set the whole thing in stone i could um little did i know that would be become my last tournament win uh on tour but um what a way to kind of <laughs> go out i guess oh for sure tremendous and and it is it's kind of cosmic the way the game certainly where i mean that the, the harvey Penick. Crenshaw reference knife is, is very apt. I mean, it is it is amazing how time how things are in the start. I mean, maybe just let's talk a minute more about the Dinah Shore tournament and what Dinah meant for women's golf and what um, uh, 
I'm trying to remember the executive from Colgate. Was it Bill Foster? Da- Dave, who, David Foster. David Foster. I'm sorry. Right. That's right. And and because that really was such an event, right? When it came out right. and and tour and 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 what did that mean for the women's game? And I mean that to, to have a, a major sponsor like that, and obviously someone is like Dinah, you know, put her name to it. I mean, that was a big event, right? For for totally, to- totally. You know, it happened just before I turned pro, I think the first Colgate dinosaur at Mission Hills was in 1972. Yeah. And um, it was uh, an amazing um, event. It, you know, he was a way ahead of his time, David Foster, CEO of Colgate. And, uh, you know, to bring an event to the desert, to a golf course that, um, you know, he was, uh, uh, you know, buying a lot of companies related to women, uh, Ram, uh, you know, companies like Helena Rubenstein, cosmetics, um, Fred Perry tennis shoes. I mean, he was buying sports and women related companies other than just making toothpaste. And he saw a real future in what was going on in women and uh, put women in commercials for Irish spring, you know, um, soap gals on the tour he had uh he was uh he he had three events he had the colgate dinosaur he had the colgate far east open that i ended up winning that one he had the cold colgate european event that he ran at sunningdale in england and he even had an uh, end of the year event called the colgate triple crown for the top 12 at mission hills it was a match play event oh wow yeah, so um, know you know he was way ahead of his time teaming with Dinah. Um, that was a, that was an event. You look at 2022 to where 1972 was, and you see here was a, a man that really put his money where his mouth was and really set women's golf and women's sports in general on on the, on its ear. I mean, it's. Um, that was amazing, you know, uh, yeah. to be a part of that era when he when he was doing all of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's interesting because. Um, and by and, the way, Dinah yeah. was so proud and excited. She Dinah was amazing. You know, she she uh, really relished having her name on that event and sponsor being part of the what was going on in women's golf. She was really proud of that and and justifiably so and i mean it's and you know one of the nice things you know as a major it was played at the same course every year and you know that's how you sort of build memories of 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 you know different key shots and you know over the years and um i i'm you, you mentioned chevron and and uh which is you know now taken over the sponsorship and um I mean, for me, just as a fan, I would say, sadly, moving the tournament to Houston, um, I, I think it, I'm sure there'll be a great sponsor and it's great that they're you know, going to significantly increase the purse. But I'm curious kind of what you sort of think about, you know, losing that uh, tradition and, and going to a new place. And um, um, I mean, I kind of I mean, for me, I mean, it, it just I, there's a sad, sad aspect to, yeah. it to me. Yeah, um, I agree but. with you. I agree with you. It's like closing a door on history, a big part of women's golf history. And personally, for obviously for me, my biggest wins were were there. Right. Uh, and it was Southern California. And, um, you know, it's such a great golf course to have yep. an event on. Um, it was sad to to uh, to lose this event and have like uh, the chapter you know, move on to the next chapter. So uh, I don't think there's one person except maybe a few members at Mission Hills or or people that you don't hear about that still call it the Dinosaur. Absolutely. And still, still will miss that event like more than anything uh, as part of the, the, the desert golf scene and, and the world golf scene. You know, it, uh, there's a lot of... Uh, lot of uh, history there for sure for sure um 
You know, I what you 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 had such a tremendous career, and I I I I love what you said because I feel the same way that it was kind of like a golden age. Um, you know, part of this are all people that when I was following, you know, and you were right in this group, of course, of all these just tremendous players. I mean, you you mentioned Nancy Lopez. I mean, I Patty Sheehan. Beth Daniel, Julie Inkster, Meg Mallon, Pat Bradley, Betsy King. I mean, you're all, you know, Hollis Stacey we talk about. I mean, there's a lot. And I'm even sure at I'm, the end there, Annika, you know. Yeah, uh, right. That's right. The Taylor. a lot of right. these players and uh, uh, hosted events with my name on it that right. they won. You know, it's just a, a yeah, I in my hall of fame speech down in florida 1999 i remember one line and that is i feel so privileged to um you know to have walked fairways and greens with these outstanding uh competitors and the and the guys too men that i grew up here in southern california you know corey pavin johnny cook yeah. Mark O'Meara, when I see him at the Hall of Fame inductions, it's like no time has passed by. Um, you know, still stay in touch with people. It's another generation reconnected with um, uh, Jamie Mulligan down in oh, uh, yeah, Virginia who, Country Club. Yeah. Who's become a very well known teacher now, teaches Patrick Cantley. I mean, right. uh, Jamie caddied for me, and we were great really? friends. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I mean, didn't know you had that connection. He's a little younger than I am, but we're, <laughs> we're very dynamic friends. And, um, you know, um, we have a lot, lot of history together. So, you know, um, not everyone turned pro, but they've, they have a passion and love for the game. And, um, you know, to have had that experience with so many great golfers and um, is something that's, pretty cool it is and and i tell you one thing that i really enjoyed that i came across was a video um that a lot of these uh women made for you i i don't know which hall of fame it may have been something the fcga did but but um you that talked about you and um i heard about two things i heard about uh, you're singing on bus rides and your Ed Sullivan impersonation. <laughs> I think that was a video that was filmed in an event that I hosted. Okay. Where they went around and asked Julie Inkster or Betsy King or P Patty Sheehan people about yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. We, I mean, uh, when you're, uh, I made over 40 trips to Japan. Oh, starting, wow, really? Starting, wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, twice a year from like 1976 um, for, you know, the next 30 years or so. And um, you got used to these long bus rides from sometimes a train ride and a bus ride just to get your tea time. I mean, uh, it wasn't, you know, the hotel was in Tokyo and you were playing two hours out of Tokyo. Right. And if you had a nine o'clock tea time, you were leaving the hotel at five. The last right. bus left at five. So those were exhausting weeks um, <laughs> in Japan. And I used to bring all my disco music and I was the DJ on the bus. And um, between that, and my Howard Cosell impressions, uh, you know, we kept each other entertained and I remember Pat Bradley saying, when Alcott doesn't go on these trips, when she's not our DJ anymore, I'm off the tour, you know? <laughs> so, so uh, uh, you know, just these are just going way back. Uh, the, the, just, you know, they're personal things that happen that are just fill your heart. You know, oh, when you sure. look back when you look back 20 years later and and uh, you know the trips, the the international trips, getting to know players a little better together, the people you teamed with and stuff I don't even hardly remember anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, it's uh, there's enough there to remember. 
I'm sure. No, it sounded like it was one of them. As you said, you guys have been become friends for life with a lot of these people. Um, I wanted to sort of talk a little bit more about the women's game and um, and and where it stands today. Um, and 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 in particular, um, I've been sort of interested to see. And and I want to and, and you may even have had a role in this. I'm I'm not sure, but the U.S. Women's Open and looking at the sites now that they are going to be going to, um, it it is you know kind of you know one might say about time, but I mean it yeah. it you know a list of sites that is absolutely the equal of the men's. You know, starting sure. with Pebble next year, Riviera in a few years, Oakmont, Oakland Hills. I mean the right. all the iconic places that um you know the, the men's open um actually it's interesting the men's open has kind of gone a few odd places the last 20 years but they're kind of going back to these anchor site concepts and some of these iconic places but anyways with the women's game and I don't know uh I think it's great to see I also know that you know there's a um uh they ended up getting a, a presenting sponsor but to, to significantly up the purse of the of the women's open and I I, you know, I know Mike Wan is over there now as executive director and former LPGA commissioner. I don't know what role he's played. It's all great to see, um, however it's come about. But I'm curious, kind of your thinking. I have a suspicion that, particularly with Riviera, you must have had some involvement in that. But, 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 talk to me, kind of how that, what, what that, what your thoughts are on on that topic, if you would. Sure, I, you know, Mike Wan uh, uh, is very forward thinking. I mean. Um, and uh, he uh, is a great guy. Um, and, you know, he believes in equality all along the way. And a lot of this stuff was probably in the works before he took the helm and was still running our tour. Um, you know, the court, I mean, uh, Pebble Beach is obviously stepping up. Uh, I've told folks at Riviera they should host a women's open for years. And um, I'm, don't want to take any credit for it, but I'm glad that they, you know, put their name right out there in the docket and kind of go through what you have to do. You just don't raise your hand and say, I want a women's <laughs> open or a men's right. open. Right. Um, you know, the, my experience tells me you have to be very generous and heart and kind yep. of open yourself up to other events as well yep. um, before yep. you get one. But That's um, right. You know, um, I think that this is great. I mean, we went through a transition maybe earlier in my career that we petitioned, to, you know, we would say, let's play some better golf courses. Well, where I won the Open in 1980 no longer exists. And it was one of Donald Roth's jewels, Richland Country Club in Nashville, Tennessee. Now, there is a Richland Country Club in Nashville, but it's a Jack Nicholas course and it's way outside of town because the property was so valuable that a developer came in and, uh, you oh. know, took the land there near Nash in Nashville near Vanderbilt University. And I mean, it was a real gem of a course, but sadly, I can't go back and visit where I want an open anymore. Yeah, um, but we, but we played, uh, you know, we went to Pittsburgh. We got uh, during the you know, I guess so early nineties, we had two women's opens at Oakmont and we, you yeah. know, and then, then there's, it was one at uh, Pinehurst and there's some, been some great ones, yeah. but now on the docket, it's, there's, it's all about, you know, um, you know, equality and putting the women players and seeing how they do on the best courses in the world. And I, I think that's great, you know, that, that that's all come to be. And I, I'd like to, probably give Mike Wan some definite credit there and the team at the USGA has um, really stepped it up. Um, it's a different organization now. They're still the kind of the watchdogs of golf as far as equipment and rules and running all the events that they run, but it's, um, it's a much more progressive organization than it used to be. And um, um and I think they're they're doing a great job. Yeah, I I would agree. I mean, you obviously know Mike Wan a thousand times better than I do, but I've been in you know I I've, I've been on some zooms with him, and I just 
the energy is like crackles through the screen. I mean, he's a very energetic guy and, mm-hmm. and I think he'll do um, uh, great things for the USGA and, and um, uh, I, it'll be interesting to see how they grapple with the equipment stuff as you kind of alluded to, but, but um, certainly on this topic, he seems like um, uh, he, he's been very helpful for sure. Yes, definitely. Um, talk, talk to me a little bit more generally, maybe about kind of how you, I mean, you have such a great perspective on this. I mean, uh, the state of the LPGA today, as you look at it, um, you know, you mentioned it's 50 years since, you know, um, David Foster, you know, started the Dinah Shore tournament and, and we're sitting here in 2022. Um, what do you think of where the tour is today and, and kind of how do you, how do you think about it? Well, you know, you don't have to look at the scores in the back of the L.A. Times under a microscope. Um, um, You know, my mother used to complain about that. You know, Um, they only list the top five names. How are you doing? You know, I said, Mom, I think I'm about 10th in the tournament. Where are you this week? I'm in Raleigh. Well, how come the L.A. Times doesn't have it? but uh, they could definitely upgrade their sports section. I miss, miss the old LA times, but yeah. Um, and Jim Murray, right. I know he you know, wrote about Jim you. Murray, I, mean, you must I, have... was, I was lucky. I had three articles written about me by Jim Murray and I treasure uh, all of them. I mean, he had such an amazing sense of humor. He sure did. Um, and some of his lines in there that uh, I go back and read, I mean, uh, oftentimes uh but um yeah women's golf is if if it's like if not now then when you know um it's taken a long time to you know not be relegated to the back pages uh this is a time for women um with everything that's going on politically and um you know constitutionally and everything else and within the sport of golf, it's really saving a lot of golf right now in a lot of ways. Um, You know, uh, it's having its time. And so if the LPGA, they used to say that the PGA tour is bought and the LPGA is sold. And I I definitely, definitely believe that. And if it can't be sold right now, then it can't, it won't have a time of being sold. It's got a lot of global players it's uh, it's uh you know and i've seen the how it's changed from the days when i was on the tour first the top japanese player chako haguchi came along and then ayako okamoto and we were traveling there and then the australians and the swedes and the english and you know all these players kind of Lieselot neumann and annika sorenstam right, and right. laura davies and it right. became a generational uh, thing, and it's um, and to- it's a totally global tour, um, and extremely talented now with so many great Korean players. So, um, I think it's uh, it's um, it's still being bought more in Asia. And I can remember Mike Wan telling me if he could have a whole. Uh, uh, Malaysian, Chinese, Korean tour, he could sell it in a minute. Um, There's been a, a, but I think we're, it's coming back. It's coming back. Uh, Thank God for, um, you know, um, the sponsors that are now coming in and stepping in. So uh, they're playing for more money. They're playing better golf courses. They're getting more visibility, more airtime. People know them more, the players that are playing. Uh, the Corda sisters are great young players. Oh, Lexi, my God, they're phenomenal. Lexi yeah. Thompson um, has a real charisma to her. There's yeah. other budding stars out there that, you know, I watch, uh, you know, um, that are that are fabulous from all over. I mean, uh, um, so... Uh, I think the women's tour is in a really good place right now. That's just, it just needs to put one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, it, it, I mean, I look at Nellie Corda's swing. I, I look at that as as good a swing I, man, woman that there is on in the game today. I and mean, then 
a lot of talent for sure. And, and um, I will say, I, I, I don't know that if you've ever run across Brady Riggs at all, um, you know, the teacher in Southern yeah. California, but I, he's a good friend and uh-huh. his daughter, you know, has been trying to get on the tour, uh, the LPGA tour, Maddie Riggs. And um, so I have a little bit of knowledge of the women's game through him. And, and you're so right. I mean, the young players, I mean, uh, you know, we joke, I mean, the team up at Stanford, you know, by, by itself, I mean, <laughs> it's just the talent, you know, and I'm forgetting the names, the woman who, um, uh, I think it's, it's a Julie Hack. And, and then there's a, there's a, there's a whole bunch of young amateur players that are just phenomenal, phenomenal talent. So I, I, I agree with you on that. Um, and, and, um, there's a lot that can be, uh, marketed because there's a lot of talent there for sure. Um, the um, let me just sort of maybe I know bring bring things up to date a little bit. Um, so you you mentioned earlier, you know, your your playing days are more in the rearview mirror. Your perfect your tournament playing days, I should say. I know you still play a lot. You've gotten into the golf design business a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, I think if, you know, I know you were involved in the Olympics course um, with with Gil Hansen, and um, I love that sort of partnership. Um, you know, you um, you mentioned Pebble earlier. I think of Marion Hollins and and the role that she had with Alistair McKenzie and um, uh, you know with Cyprus and 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 Pastiempo and everything. But anyways, I'm I'm curious. You know, his Gill, of course, has gotten become such a celebrated um, not just you know, architect but restorer of courses. So I'm curious, what was that experience like? And maybe talk a little bit about sort of what you're doing in golf design now. Well, I've always loved design. I've always looked at golf as like a artistic uh, platform. You know, I think the golf swing is all about, you know, it's an art. And um, so I've, over the years playing golf courses, I've had walked on tees and said a lot of wows, you know, and maybe if I was ever to design, maybe not verbally to myself, but I put it in my memory bank. Um, And I've always loved golf design. Um, and playing different golf courses, different kind of uh, with different nuances, different architects, different time periods and things like that. So um, I had the opportunity of, um, of uh, working on a couple of courses. One was uh, Indian Canyons out in um, uh, the Palm Springs area for the Agua Caliente Indians. I kind of helped remodel that with Casey O'Callaghan back in the very early 90s okay uh, turned out great and um uh, that was uh, 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 an interesting experience and then the olympic thing kind of came upon because came about because you know i saw golf was going to be in the olympics and i wanted i wanted to get into golf course design and um when it golf got passed, I, I felt that it should be designed by a male female team. It was yeah. kind of my idea. Yeah. And I, it's a long story, but I ended up telling somebody with the uh, high up in the world of golf that uh, that's what I thought. And he said, Oh, well, that's a great idea. And then within two weeks, you know, Jack Nicholas is on, uh, on a golf channel saying he's going to do the court wants to do the course with Annika Storenstam. And I'm saying, well, enough <laughs> of giving my ideas away. <laughs> so, That's funny. I never heard that. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, um, I said, you know, Alcott, you should know better than to give your thoughts <laughs> away. And all of a sudden, a bunch of people jumped on the bandwagon. And I ran into Gil over at L.A. Country Club when he was remodeling it. Somebody introduced me to him and I asked him if he was going to do, of course, you know, bid on the Olympic Games because I thought it should be designed by a male, female team. And if he was going to consider it, I would like to do it with him. And he says, well, he thought he was going to do it. And um, but he wasn't sure. Um, so I said, well, let me know, because I'd love to do it with you. And he kind of called me back and said, you know, he wanted to do it, but he wanted to bid it under his own name. And um, but he wanted to definitely include me in the proposal. And would I have a problem with that? And I said, you know, I kind of did. But, you know, I kind of threw my hands up and said, 
you know, let's just go for it. Let's see how it goes. And we ended up getting into the final from like 19 teams. We got into the time, final five and had to go to Rio and make a, a presentation. Um, and we made a fabulous presentation. I bet. Um, yeah. And I talked a lot about the legacy of golf and, and uh, you know, starting off the way I told you, growing up chipping and putting on my front yard. And if I can do that, you know, kids in Rio that are relegated to um, you know, living in favelas up on mountains and playing soccer and the uh, poverty in that country, kids could learn a new sport. They could learn to operate equipment on golf courses. They could learn how to play. And so um, anyway, it was a really good presentation and unbeat, unbelievable. We got that bid and we did a great golf course. Um, yeah. And it was a pleasure to work with Gil. Um, he's extremely talented. And um, um, so that was a great opportunity. And I am going to be designing, remodeling a new golf uh, golf course in the desert, actually, as of two weeks ago. Oh, great. Uh, I'm going to be uh, remodeling Desert Island, which is in Rancho Mirage. It's uh, okay. It's going to be all remodeled. We're going to, that new develop, owner is going to build a 40-room luxury hotel. Oh, wow. And I'm going to redesign this great Desmond Muirhead property uh, on my own, <laughs> you know, um, and I hit it off with him and have some really good ideas for, uh, it's a, probably the best location in the desert. It's a great opportunity. Oh, wow. wow. Um, and, uh, so I'm thrilled about, thrilled about that. Um, I bet, I bet mm -hmm. that's going to take a bet. That'll be a big project. I'll take a lot of your time, I'm sure, but that's exciting. Yeah. yeah. So it'll start. We'll, start moving dirt and doing the irrigation next into next April, have a very short time frame to get it done, but we're going to really upgrade the course and to go with what's going to happen there. Um, you know, with the hotel and the, the club, it's going to be really, really nice. So um, cool. have a very forward thinking owner. Um, you know, he's going to have, uh, you know, a yoga center there and a distillery and, He's quite a he's quite a character. So it'll it's been fun so far getting to know him and having him kind of uh, get kind of get my ideas, you know, my right, kind of right. more forward thinking ideas. So I love design. Um, and you know, going back, I still play. I'll play a few events this year on the Legends Tour. Uh, I was going to ask do, you about that. So you're still doing that. That was actually going to just ask yeah, you about it. Yeah, I'll play and I do my corporate outings. That I still stay busy. Uh, love doing things for companies and staying, uh, playing golf with their customers and mentoring them and passing along my knowledge of the game and history of the game and all my stories and charity events. And um, um, so I stay, I stay busy. That's fantastic. And I'm sure I mean, playing the legends, you, some of the names we talked about, you're seeing out there, uh, I assume some of your friends. So that's got to be fun to just see, you know, not just play and compete, but to see those folks again. Yeah. Yeah. The U.S. Senior Women's Open and have an event up in Boston in September. And, um, you know, just uh, the few things that we have, we really need to grow this legends tour in a big way. And started off with some more pro-ams and things like that so i'm encouraging your audience to they know anybody that wants to do anything to let me know <laughs> absolutely and i agree i mean i think you know um uh it's as we talked about i mean every and and i really do feel this way there was sort of a golden age that you were right in the middle of with all those names we ticked off and i think it'd be very cool you know, to sort of see those folks and, and, and grow the legends tour. Um, Cause there are some tremendous, tremendous players and, and people in that, in that group for sure. Amy, this has been just fabulous. I really appreciate your time um, going through this. This has been a lot of fun for me. Um, and, you know, again, just a tremendous career. It's great that you're still so, and not surprising, of course, but great that you're still heavily involved in the game, both, 
both still playing, still, you know, and designing and you got all and all and 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 on all different facets. So Thank um, you. really appreciate the time and, and getting a chance to chat with you. Well, Larry, thank you. I've enjoyed being on here with you and um, uh, kudos for you for making kind of a career transition, it appears, <laughs> into a talk show host, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it's not quite uh, at your pay scale, but uh, but um, but um, I'm, I'm very impressed with your love of the game and um, hope to meet you sometime. Me too, me too, Amy. You know, yeah. it's it's was one of my I'll partners. Never turn, I'll never yeah. turn down a lunch at Brentwood. Well, well, I guarantee we're gonna. I'm gonna take you know. Be careful what you wish for, because I'm gonna take you up on that. Uh, I promise you. I would love to. I would love to see you in person and and maybe even tee it up with you over there one of these days. So I will. I will keep in touch with you, Amy. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Larry. Thank you for having me.